Choice, the Golden Girls podcast that's rarely more fun than solitaire, but always more fun than euchre. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Brent, and joining me this week is a man who can put you in touch with a retired Green Beret, Alan. Hello. <laughs> Quickly, in fact. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Enthusiastically. And, that's right. And joining us is Chattanooga's favorite gravy-sucking, gopher-eating cousin Humper, Ski. <laughs> She was a hot cousin, all right? You don't understand. Uh, so if this, <laughs> if this is your first time listening, uh, let me reiterate that welcome. Uh, regardless of where you're at on your Golden Girls journey, we're glad you're here. I'd also like to take a moment to let the newbies know how we do things around these parts. First off, Alan is going to provide this week's recap. Ski and myself will periodically interrupt him to point out our favorite lines, but eventually he'll finish so we can pick an MVP and award the episode up to eight slices of cheesecake. Eventually, we'll determine which Golden Girls episode is the best. Of course, if this is your first time listening, statistically, it's likely your last time as well. (laughs) Feel free to slide into Alan's DMs early 2024 and find out how it all ends. Take it away, Alan. All right. <laughs> this would be a really weird place to pick up. <laughs> well, you never know. We'll start. Be, as Brent kind of alluded to, well, it would be weird to pick up in season <laughs> Season episode 8, episode three. 3. Yeah. I was going to say it wouldn't be necessarily that weird to pick up on season, or on Golden Palace episode 1, mm-hmm. uh, but I guess that would depend on if you had listened maybe to another podcast and you just been, like Brent mentioned, jonesing for Golden yeah. Palace to be covered. I'm sure there's somebody there who was like, oh, I'm going to check out this podcast. I guess we'll just start with the newest episode. Yeah. yeah. And I this could, could be that, the newest episode. There was something I read about like the way that it suggested listening to podcasts, and it was something like, oh. Their newest episode, and then you go back after that. If, and, you, if you like it, right? Yeah, exactly. Because I, I think there is the conceit that everybody's beginning is going to suck a little bit, you know, or at least <laughs> not, be, not as be as good. good yeah. yeah, not be as yeah. good. Maybe suck is a little strong, but for us, it was not a little strong. Yeah, <laughs> it was very <laughs> yeah. accurate. But I, I could see it didn't hit our stride till season one, episode twenty. Right, exactly. That's where it finally <laughs> all came together. Exactly, <laughs> congealed. Mm-hmm. <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> A perfect analogy or perfect word to use. Uh-huh. So. I was gonna say I can see like uh, podcasts starting off great if they were composed of people who regularly spoke for a living, especially together. Oh sure, yeah. Especially <laughs> if they're like uh, I can see like Smodcast. They all wrote together and mm. knew each other for years and stuff, <laughs> and probably did things in the limelight for many years, right? Yeah, but even then, I mean, I think if you're there's a little bit of a difference in the. The back and forth when you're, yeah. you know, trying to do it for somebody else to eventually listen to. Certainly, yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's I was, more comfortable over time. At the very least, I would say that I'm sure, you know, even a seasoned, uh, you know, person who's done entertainment or whatnot is not going to be as good the first time they do a podcast as they will be the, you know, the last 200th time, time or yeah. whatever we're on right now. So. Yeah. 
Anyways. We're not right. 200 yet, are we? Not quite, but we will hit more than that. Really? Oh, yeah. We'll fly past it because of Golden Palace. Mm. So. Okay. You seem sad. <laughs> <laughs> we got to well, get up to 10,000 hours to be good at this shit. <laughs> <laughs> so we still got a ways to go. <laughs> Anyways. By the end, it'll be a fourth-rate podcast? Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> Dude, I think after we put in the 10,000 hours, there will be nobody better at jamming on ski than us. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. James is pretty good at it. <laughs> and he's put out 30 years of it, so he's got something to catch up. But. That's true. But he's just recycling his wife's material on him. <laughs> right. <laughs> we all have our inspirations. Yeah. So. All right, well, did you guys have anything more prior to jumping into this episode? Um, I'll save mine for later. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, well, we were doing a Golden Palace episode three. Yeah. Uh, Miles, we hardly knew ye. I think we knew him pretty well, though. Well, yeah, I felt like we did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think we knew him pretty well, and we knew that he's a bad guy, you know. I don't know. I don't think we knew he was the bad guy that he turns out to be, though. We knew he was smooching Dorothy. Well, that's true. Um, so yeah, I guess they really were taking Miles down the last. <laughs> <laughs> they they almost got married, and then all of a sudden it turned to the way it did. Uh-huh. But anyways, not to spoil it too much, but uh, yeah, yeah. this one aired on October second, nineteen ninety two. Uh, written by the uh, dynamic duo of Jamie Wooten and Mark Cherry. Oh, Jooten. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> do you think that's what they go by? Yeah, <laughs> it's what the shippers call them. Yeah. Um, and then I, I like the idea that it's just people from UPS. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's a big following there. Right. Exactly. Because um, that was just combined names. Yeah. The shippers. Mm-hmm. I agree. They've That's got why. Like I, a whole big old board. It's got like the yarn going for different couples. It, it, yeah. <laughs> In this case, it's all writing. Duos. Yeah, all writing duos. Yeah. <laughs> so, this one was uh, directed by Peter D. Byte. Uh, which I mention every time that I do a recap who directs it, but apparently Brent doesn't listen that far in. By the time I've gotten through the written by, he's already tuned out. <laughs> he, was, he was trying to come up with a shipper. Right, yeah. Um, all right, well, uh, we open in the lobby, and Rose is being stood up over the phone by Miles. Apparently, mm-hmm. Miles hasn't seen the hotel yet, even though they have owned it for weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hasn't been attentive to Rose's other needs either, such as her passionate love of euchre. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> she doesn't get her card shuffled soon, Alan. Yeah. Well, uh, Roland has come to the front desk, and it doesn't take him long to surmise what deck Rose needs shuffled. Mm-hmm. Uh, they claim that they are just talking about cards, and Roland says he likes to play solitaire. Ski also prefers solitaire, but only after he's trapped an underling into the break room and forced her to call him Hefe. So. <laughs> you want to tell that story again? No, I'll pass. <laughs> I like the fact, too, that that story, telling him to tell that story again could go so many ways uh-huh. because yeah. it could be about him trapping an underling in a break room, uh-huh. about him masturbating in front of somebody. <laughs> but really, it's the least of all of those. Uh-huh. Um, if, you, if you're not sure what story we're talking about, I think it's been mentioned at least a couple times in this yeah. podcast, so listen back through. Start with Season 1, Episode 20, yep. and work your way we forward. We may have touched about it then. <laughs> yeah. um, well, Oliver comes in and has already exhausted his $5 of allowance. Blanche suggests that uh, he looks for other ways to earn money like she did when she was young, and a newly entered Sophia chimes in, yeah, but Marshall Dillon, pop-up podcast. 
Marshall Dillon is a fictional character uh, featured on both the radio and television versions of Gunsmoke. Mm-hmm. He is the U.S. Marshal of Dodge City, Kansas, who works to preserve law and order in the western frontier of the nineteen or the eighteen seventies. Mm. Uh, Matt Dillon was his full name. Gotcha. He was a marshal. So. Yeah, I loved him in Wild Things. Oh, did you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Sophia says yeah. But uh, Marshall Dillon closed down that bar. Rose reveals that she and her sister made money by being adult entertainment pioneers, <laughs> charging people, mostly men in rage coats, <laughs> to uh, watch them kiss each other. <laughs> that was so uncomfortable. Yeah, like, it was like, really awkward. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, by far the most awkward story that Rose has ever told, yeah. and that's even with her, you know, blowing out that birthday candle by herself. <laughs> yeah. well. She's like, we did it for hours. Yeah. <laughs> Um, hey, I guess they're making money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, for some reason, uh, Roland and Blanche are uh, looking through old hotel registers, which they didn't explain that at all. Like, why would they be looking at old guests from the hotel? It doesn't make a lot of sense to yeah. me. But but we find out that uh, they are riddled with Miles' name. Uh, is he using the hotel for the same reason Blanche would? We're all left wondering uh, if if Miles is a... Would you call it a philander if you're not married? Is it a is it still philandering it's if it's cheater. just? I call it a better womanizer, okay. like Eli from the song Eli's Coming, <laughs> 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 not sung by Chuck McGrone. It's still Three Dog Night, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, my favorite, a member lesser of... dog, <laughs> 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 on an off night. Well, I think he would consider it to be a greater dog, wouldn't he? You, Chuck McGrone, whichever one sang it. I forget which one sang it. Okay, it doesn't matter. Anyways, so did you guys have <laughs> did you guys have anything to add to scene one there? No, I'm okay. Okay, but no, I think good. Okay, so we got it pretty well established then that the, the, they think Miles might be cheating on Rose because yeah. of all these hotel stays he's had over the well, years, well, or I at least of what they thing. think. Yeah, I love that she never once questions like his name is Miles Weber. Yeah, that's not a real common name, but it's certainly not uncommon. Like it's not like yeah, it's not like a Jeff Klamazuski, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's not like if you saw that, you're like, yeah, that's probably the same dude. Yeah. Miles yeah. Weber, you could at least conject or guess that maybe there's more than one. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, he did say he's an older guy. So I guess there's those two strikes against him, yeah. similar name and similar age profile. But My, my <laughs> thought would be at least show Rose the the entries, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that, depending on how far back it goes in time, she may have been able to debug it at that point alone. Yeah, and if it went far enough back, we could probably even get to a point when Miles was still working for the mob. <laughs> so yeah, or maybe a time when he was out of town because the, he was an Amish, Amish guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Like, You know, the witness protection give Miles this other dude's name. Would they have felt bad if the other Miles Weber was shot by the mob? Right. <laughs> <laughs> by uh, the, the cheese man, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, um, well, we jump into... Did you have something else? I was like, make quick work of him, right? Yeah, exactly. Turn him into a Swiss cheese man. <laughs> uh, well, we uh, we jump into the kitchen now, and Sophia is trying to convince Chewy that they should serve more of her recipes. Blanche comes in to ask for advice, and Sophia makes an unfortunate comment, uh, but Blanche still reveals that. Uh, but Blanche reveals that she is concerned that Miles is cheating on Rose. Uh, Sophia launches into a classic picture it story, but unfortunately, Blanche you know mm-hmm. cuts her off before she can yeah. go. I really like her picture at stories, so, yeah. so I was disappointed that we just got whatever the punchline was. It was that's when she stopped making her own 
polio vaccines. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> she does admit that she doesn't know what it means. It's like, well, that's what you get when you jump to the point. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, well, Blanche interrupts and mentions uh, several storytelling gr- storytelling greats. Aesop, pop up <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Aesop was a Greek fabulist and a storyteller. <laughs> Credited with a number of fables, now collectively known as Aesop's Fables. Uh, the Brothers Grimm, pop-up podcast. <laughs> the Brothers Grimm were German academics, uh, philologists, cultural researchers, lexicographers, and authors who together collected and published folklore. You say philologist? Mm-hmm. You know uh-huh. what that is? Like I a stamp do. collector? I is don't it? believe no, so. <laughs> For just a second, he was like, oh. <laughs> I'm guessing it's some sort of like the study of philosophies, <laughs> but I don't know that for sure. But popularizing <laughs> stories such as uh, Cinderella, The Frog Prince, Hansel and Gretel, <laughs> Little Red Riding Hood, Rapunzel, Rumpelstiltskin, Sleeping Beauty, and Snow White. Uh, Mark Twain, pop-up podcast. <laughs> Samuel Clements, best known by his pen name, Mark Twain, was an American writer, humorist, entrepreneur, publisher, and lecturer. He was praised as the greatest humorist in the United States and has produced, uh, that the United States has produced. His novels include The Adventures of Tom Sawyer and its sequel, Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Twain also wrote a uh, Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court and Puddinhead Wilson and co-wrote the uh, Gilded Age, A Tale of Today. You know what Mark Twain got his name from? No. Do you know? Uh, Roger Clemens. (laughs) Do you know? Why Roger Clemens picked that <laughs> as his pen name? It's Samuel Clemens. Samuel Clemens. I don't know. What, did I what did you say? Roger Clemens. The picture? Yes. <laughs> you got me again. You in those Ozarks. <laughs> and do you know how Roger Clemens came up with the name that he eventually gave to Sam? <laughs> Sorry, I'm dumb. Do you know how Samuel Clemens came up? No. So Mark Twain is what they used to call out on uh, um, old ferry boats, Mm, like the the paddle boats and stuff, to uh, because they would check uh, the depth of the uh, water they were in. Oh, okay. To make sure they weren't going to run dry uh, or go too low. Mm -hmm. I forget it was like a certain amount of fathoms, but I think Samuel Clemens. Worked on a ferry boat for a while, and he was one of the people that would call out the the, the water depth. Oh, okay. So they were like marking the twain. So something like that, actually. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. It was like so many knots or something mm-hmm. on this rope that they would head down. Oh, okay. Uh, I said, uh, "Oh, Henry, pop up podcast." <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything for him. Okay. Well, <laughs> except for maybe a candy bar idea. <laughs> That's well, ironic. Well, William Sidney Porter. Uh, better known by his pen name, O. Henry, was an American writer known primarily for his short stories, though he also wrote poetry and nonfiction. His work include The Gift of the Magi, uh, The Duplicity of Hargraves, and The Ransom of Red Chief, as well as the novel Cabbages and Kings. Porter's stories are known for their naturalist observations, witty narration, and surprise endings. Um, his uh, legacy also includes the O. Henry Awards, an, outstanding, an annual prize for outstanding short stories. And Ray Bradbury, pop-up podcast. <laughs> Ray drove it never gets old. Yeah. <laughs> it probably would if it went on much longer. <laughs> probably has for many. This is going to last longer than actual pop-up videos lasted on VH1. <laughs> uh, 
um, while Ray Douglas Bradbury was an American author and screenwriter, uh, <laughs> one of the most celebrated 20th century American I've writers. I always thought Alan was the poor man's Hal Sparks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Hal Sparks is the poor man's Alan. <laughs> so, You're yeah. all playing second best to Maria Menounos. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> um, so Bradbury wrote many works uh, that, and is widely known for his novels uh, Fahrenheit 451, mm-hmm. uh, Wick, Something Wicked This Way Comes, mm-hmm. and his uh, short story collections, uh, The Martian mm-hmm. Chronicles and The mm-hmm. Illustrated Man. The New York Times calls Bradbury the most uh, responsible for bringing modern science fiction into the literary mainstream. On my uh, to-read pile, I've got a collection of Ray Bradbury stories. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, very nice. I'll be looking forward to hearing what you think of them mm-hmm. on a future episode, this perhaps. This is... Um, all of his crime stories collected together. Oh, so very not cool. the sci-fi ones, but the sort of detective stories. Yeah. Still, yeah. seems like that'd be right up your alley. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I want to write Fahrenheit 450 because I don't want to catch the books on fire. I just want them singed. Mm. Oh, I thought you were going to write <laughs> Fahrenheit 452 as a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> That's more creative, actually. Yeah. Well, you could have said it was a prequel, so that would have worked out too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think that if you're going to (laughs) um, write the book, it should be a book that's kind of similar but different. Mm -hmm. What's what is 451 in Celsius? Damn it, that's what I was trying to (laughs) use the old calculator trying to figure it out. (laughs) You know, it'd be you know. Celsius 232.778. You know, for the metric readers out there. I like the extra decimals. Yeah, exactly. That's how you know it's a good book. (laughs) You know. Extra decimal spots always. Nothing's funnier than writing out to the thousands. Yeah. (laughs) You gotta have the longest uh, book title on record. Exactly. Suck it, Dewey Decimal. Yeah. Chewie reveals that he was cheated on by his ex-wife mm-hmm. and that Blanche should tell Rose. He says he wouldn't want her to find out the way that he did graffiti. Yeah, I love that line. That's it was favorite. funny, but again, it's something where it's like, his wife must have a real distinct name. <laughs> well, I think if, if you're on the men's room and you see for a good time call, oh, okay. and you see your telephone number there, <laughs> it helps narrow it down. That's fair. I guess yeah, I was thinking there were more no like, cell phones, so. yeah. I was thinking more of like graffiti on the side of a train. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I suppose all, all forms of that would, would qualify as graffiti. Yeah. So. Well, so did you guys have anything, uh, anything to go with scene two? <laughs> so you're like, so... No. <laughs> <laughs> you sure? You seem like you have something. No, nah, I'm okay. All right. What about you, Ski? Uh, not that big of currently. All right. Well, uh, scene three finds us back in the lobby with Oliver forcing a hotel guest uh, to pay him for her lost sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Sevilla catches him in the act and lets him know that it's extortion and that she has to tell Roland. Uh, she then turns around and says, but then again, $5 would make me forget this whole sordid incident. Uh, Rose comes in and offers Sophia a penny for her thoughts, and Sophia says, "You're stupid. That one's on the house." Blanche, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I was gonna say uh, Oliver is like saying that you know because uh, she says it's extortion, and he said you know that would be blackmail, right? Which is just as bad. I like Sophia responding to him, such a young boy with such big words or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, 
Sophia, let's see here, uh, Blanche walks in and tells Rose that she believes Miles is cheating on her, saying mm-hmm. that uh, her loins speak to her, saying adultery. Mm-hmm. Rose replies, boy, and I thought Senior Wences pop-up podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you covered this one, because I didn't look it up. Well, you uh, haven't heard of Senior Wences? I've heard of it. I don't know what it is. Uh. Well, Sensoslo, uh, Moreno, uh, Centeno, professionally known as Senior Wences, was a Spanish ventriloquist and comedian. His popularity grew with his frequent television appearances on CBS's The Ed Sullivan Shows during the 50s and 60s. Later, he became popular with another generation of fans on The Muppet Show. Mm-hmm. Okay, there you go. That's, yeah. pro- that's probably what I've heard from. Oh, yeah, The Muppet Show. But yeah, she thought that... He, the he was not in Emma Otters Chug Band Christmas. Oh, Say so again? He not was even not worth it in Emma Otters Chug Band Christmas. Uh, well, she thought that Senior Wences was talented. Um she has watched the new Muppet show. I have not, no. Have you? Yeah, it was really good. We enjoyed it. Well, I'm glad. How new is it? Uh, early this year. Maybe late last oh, year. Oh, no. It's a Disney Plus thing. Okay. It's been still on there, right? Yeah, it should be. It mm-hmm. should be. But did it get canceled? Um, well, I don't it may At most, it just didn't get its second season. Oh, okay. Well, that's what I mean, I guess. Yeah. So. But, and honestly, it didn't need a second season, you know. Like it's basically just them recording the debut album. Oh, and okay. The finale. They recorded the debut album. Oh, so, so. it covers it. Yeah, exactly. Fair enough. I will say that. Um, it, so they released their album on vinyl, and I was checking out the reviews, and there was somebody who was really irate on Amazon, saying that it was a spoiler, saying it's like, well, now I know they released their album. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and for the life of me, I don't know if he was serious or just right. <laughs> taking the Mickey out of people. I'd like, but to, <laughs> I'd like to think he was serious. Yeah. He was just genuinely really mad. Yeah. Like, He's just been hanging on it, just waiting to find out what yeah. happens in them. Exactly. Well, anyway, uh, Miles arrives, and after a minute, Rose slaps him and calls him a liar. Mm-hmm. You didn't say why she slapped him. Well, she slapped him because he said that he had eaten... Uh, I think had gotten a sandwich, and then she I can't remember. Did she oh, ask him what kind of sandwich? She, yeah, she asked. So he said he was on his way there, and he stopped to get a sandwich, right? And she's like, "Sandwich, huh?" And then he says he got like a tuna fish or something. Yep. She slaps him and said, "Okay, it was a hamburger or cheeseburger." I just didn't want to get the uh, the cholesterol speech again or something. Right. Uh, see, I assume she slapped him because it wasn't yum yum bumble bumblebee tuna. <laughs> <laughs> Because Rose loves a sandwich made with bumblebee. Yes, she does. <laughs> Roses often do love bees. I think it's vice versa. Well, they <laughs> Roses potato are, potato. Ro- how it, roses, you know, benefit from bees by you know helping with the uh, pollination. You think roses can feel? Don't you? No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Close minded that one. Well, that's why I can never be a philologist. Yeah. <laughs> Did you look it up? Oh, a stamp collector? It's a philologist. Well, I think no. he's asking a philologist. Did you look that up? No, I care less. Okay. <laughs> I saw you grab your phone, so I thought. Yeah, I just wanted to double check what stamp collector was. <laughs> that's funny that you're just double checking your own joke. Well, <laughs> yeah. Not... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Someone else wants to look the fool, that's on them. <laughs> Well, anyways, uh, after a blow-up in front of a lobby full of guests, yeah. uh, Roland runs in and claims that it was a living theater production of Come Back, Little Sheba, pop-up podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad, because that's a blind spot for me. Yeah. Well, 
Comeback Little Sheba is a 1952 American drama film starring Burt Lancaster, Shirley Booth, mm. Terry Moore, and Richard Jekyll. Mm, nice. uh, the film tells the story of a marriage between a recovering alcoholic and his frumpy wife mm-hmm. that is rocked when a young college student rents a room in the couple's house. Mm-hmm. Uh, the title refers to the wife's little dog that disappeared months before the story began and that uh, she still openly grieves for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. You guys, you ever see The Swimmer with Burt Lancaster? No, I can't say that I have. That is an amazing movie. I love that one. That, that might be my favorite Burt Lancaster movie. Really? Yeah, it's I don't really good. know if I could name a Burt Lancaster movie off the top of my head other than Come Back, Little Sheba. The <laughs> <laughs> Swimmer. Yeah, the Swimmer, that's true. <laughs> he was in that one, I heard. So, like, he plays a dude, okay? And he sort of, like, emerges from the woods, mm-hmm. okay? Into these people's backyards. And he, he's friends with them, like... And he's in a swimsuit, and he was like, hey, just stop by to see if it's okay if I went for a swim. And they're like, yeah, sure. You know, and he hops in their pool and swims a few laps or whatever. It's a little weird, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then, like, he gets out, and he's, like, looking out over the horizon because it's in the Hollywood Hills. And he's like, you know, um, every house between here and my home, you know, has a swimming pool. I think I'm just going to swim home, you know? And so he just goes house to house, swimming laps in the pool and having a little conversation and moving to the next house. Oh, okay. And, but like with each house you, he gets to, within his little conversation, you pick up a little bit more of his backstory. Mm-hmm. And then by the time like he sort of, you know, gets to his own home, like when he gets home, you realize that, oh, this is what's going on. And it's really, really, really good. Oh, okay. you like... You know how I got these scars? <laughs> like, <Yeah. no. laughs> like that. <laughs> Nothing like that. But like, he starts off like a normal dude, and then he goes along, and he gets a little bit, you know, quirky, yeah. you know. And then towards the end, you're like, this dude's a creep. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that from the very beginning of your story. Like, just a man shows up in his swimsuit. <laughs> but it's you like, said emerged from the woods. Yeah, so yeah. Like, but it, it's like one of those like 1950s men swimsuits. Mm-hmm. So it's like tiny little skin tight shorts. Oh, okay. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to the imagination. And like I don't know, but it's a really, really good movie. But it, it's an uncomfortable one. But I highly recommend it for you guys. I just like the I like the idea of seeing kind of like a you know a jump cut of Brent's life where he's watching that movie and then like two hours <laughs> later he's coming home from Home Depot and just pouring concrete into his pool. Exactly. Got to keep Burt Lancaster out. Yeah. <laughs> like, nope, not me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, uh, he says that the uh, next night they will be doing uh, their critically acclaimed version of Lil Abner pop-up podcast. (laughs) Uh, Lil Abner is a satirical American comic strip that appeared across multiple newspapers in the U.S., Canada, and Europe. It featured a fictional clan of hillbillies in the impoverished mountain village of Dogpatch, USA. Written and and drawn by Al Cap, uh, the strip ran for 43 years, uh, from August of 1934 to November of 1977. Mm -hmm. It's the poor man's Ken Hubbard. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so, uh, well, Miles storms out, and uh, Roland reveals that the regular guest is a different Miles Weber. Mm-hmm. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you guys have anything uh, anything to add to that that scene? Mm-hmm. No. Yuski. I like that uh, he was down with that cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. I liked that how was a good line. I liked how quick thinking Roland is. <laughs> that he's like, yes. oh, this is not oh, yeah. good for the hotel. That was actually yeah. like, not to give away too much, but uh, 
I gave him my MVP because, like, I thought that was the best part of this episode. Yeah. Was him swinging on his feet and, like, just making it a bit. Mm-hmm. Matt Rowland's first rodeo. Yeah. So, yeah it, was, it was a solid. Uh, I, you could definitely tell he's a seasoned hotelier. Exactly. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly. You could feel the eyes on it the crowd. Bel- belies his age. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we got Rose in the kitchen now, and Chewie is trying to uh, fight off her advances with another unfortunate line. Uh, Rose turns her attention to Roland, who uh, completes the unfortunate line trifecta in his efforts to rebuff Rose. Uh, Roland tells Rose about Blanche's mistake, and Rose goes off to kick some, as Brent alluded to before, some gravy-sucking, gopher-eating, cousin-humping southern butt (laughs) from there to Chattanooga. Yeah. That was my favorite line of the whole episode. That was really solid, yeah. And the way she delivered it was great. Yeah. I delivered she it well was like well. storming yeah, off, right? Did. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 I bet Brent always gives himself all five stars on his uh, performance evaluations, like if he has to grade himself. <laughs> Guest stops Rose in the dining room because he got a potato when he ordered rice. Uh, Rose grabs the potato, kicks open the kitchen door. Violently. And, yeah. <laughs> and throws Just it in. Chucks it in, yeah. Exactly. I'm surprised she didn't burn her hand because I didn't see his boiny on that. Exactly. <laughs> well, hopefully it had been sitting on that plate long enough to protect her. She was so white hot mad she probably yeah. even realized anyway. <laughs> Like, she wasn't trying to open it. I mean, yeah. that's really what this old Borny shine. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that steam that comes yeah. rocketing out of a potato <laughs> when you try to open it. It's not possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if those were your side options, potato or rice, which would you choose? Oh, potato for sure. Yeah. How about you? Definitely baked potato, I think. Yeah. I mean, I guess it would depend. If it's, like, we're talking just white rice or brown rice, yeah. then definitely. Maybe if it was, like, something like fried I, rice. I like or, fried rice yeah. quite a bit, especially if you got, like, if you mix it with, like, pork or something. Yeah. Like, I think if you're ordering fish, then I could <clears throat> see going with the rice instead of the baked potato. Just because yeah. it might complement it more? Yeah, exactly. But if you're getting a steak, then like, yeah, definitely baked potato with the sour cream mm. and then trying to, yeah. Yeah, tonight I, uh, boy, we had a dinner that did not go well at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw the remnants. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, Joey told me a little about it. Yeah, well, so, so I, you know, we, <clears throat> we all, well, no, I shouldn't say we all, but Everybody but Joey has expressed mm-hmm. liking Chinese food when we have it out, mm-hmm. you know, which isn't frequent, but, yeah. you know, and that's whether we have to like Panda Express or someplace mm-hmm. better, you mm-hmm. know, and yeah. uh, we've all enjoyed it. Now, I have had orange chicken mm-hmm. multiple times at, yeah. at different uh, Chinese restaurants. Yeah. In your two experience, I assume you both had orange chicken at some point yeah. in your lives. Yeah. Do you feel like it is significantly orange flavored, like flavored like an orange? Because I've never had it to where I thought there was more than like a hint of orange flavor yeah. or more spice. This mm-hmm. tasted like I was biting into a chicken flavored well, piece of oranges. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I saw, I saw it, you know, and it definitely it was not like the color orange you find in nature. Mm-hmm. It was like <laughs> it was like so, yeah, like somebody had taken you know a piece of chicken and like you know soaked it in a two liter of orange crush. <laughs> <laughs> it was extremely orange and. But, and granted, all this stuff was frozen stuff, so, you know, it, we're not making uh, anything from scratch here other than the rice, which there was white rice and, and fried rice, which the fried rice was fine. Um, mm-hmm. It was from a bag, um, mm-hmm. but it was fine, and the white rice was white rice, mm-hmm. and it, it is what it is. Yeah. And then I made some broccoli, which, I, so I will say, this was broccoli that 
I think had gotten pushed to the back of the freezer many times. Mm. Um, yeah. And you could tell yeah. <laughs> it didn't come out well either. Little yeah. freezer burns. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, what was the uh, stump to top ratio? Uh, I mean, it was a pretty decent amount of, uh, of florets. I mean, yeah. it was a floret, a bag of florets. Gotcha. So it was solid as far as that goes, but it mm-hmm. was definitely freezer burnt. Gotcha. Um, and then what mm-hmm. else was part of, oh, and then we had these, uh, vegetable egg rolls mm-hmm. because Liam's vegetarian. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, he has several things in this that he can eat. Sure. Um, and they were some of the worst egg rolls I've ever had. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was an awful dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I felt bad like after, cause Again, this is something that I've never tried to make as a family dinner before. Mm-hmm. And again, I realize it's, you know, all Good frozen stuff, shit, though. you know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, but some reasonably healthy frozen things with mm-hmm. broccoli and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a, a colossal failure of a dinner. Yeah. <laughs> so, Did you guys have anything to fall back to? I mean, everybody just ended up kind of eating their own thing after that. Like, Joey had some mac and cheese, and mm-hmm. Liam, I think, had a veggie corn dog. So. <laughs> But what is that? I mean, it's just a, a veggie, you know, a non-meat corn dog. But well, I mean, like, do you know what it's comprised of? Or I mean, I don't look at the ingredients. I just oh. trusted the box when it says it doesn't have meat. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, yeah, I assumed it mostly like some kind of tofu or something like that. Yeah, like soy pea protein or something. Maybe, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I know, Brent, that you have gone through times of not being a vegetarian, but mm-hmm. you do eat a much more plant-based diet than either mm-hmm. Ski yeah. or I do. Mm-hmm. And so do you ever purchase, like, the yeah. frozen Morningstar and yeah. those kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, I'm always pretty impressed with the mm-hmm. quality of the food. Yeah. Um, like, Cassidy, she eats the same Morningstar veggie corn dogs, you know, that Liam does. Oh, okay. Like, those are her favorites. Um, <clears throat> I don't eat those, but, like, the Morningstar, the, um, the sausage patties we get every once in a while. And um, Helena likes whatever their burger is or whatever. Mm. Um, but they have a black bean yeah, burger. Yeah, that's what we eat mostly yeah, here. Yeah, and that's the one I really like. And I'll fix those for lunch every once in a while. Yeah, that know. was some pepper jack cheese and mm-hmm. uh, exactly. spicy mustard. Mm-hmm. Really solid. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we... Um, so have you... Has she ever had, you or her ever had the, the just the regular hot dogs, the frozen hot dogs they have? Um, no, not like that um i have fixed them before like if i was making like baked beans or something mm. i'd slice some of them up and put in there oh okay that way well the other day i was making one for liam and gwen came into the kitchen and so i have it in a bowl and you have to put it in a bowl and then pour it like mm-hmm. fill the bowl with water and then it goes in the microwave gotcha. you know i i don't know if there was instructions to be able to just boil it but mm-hmm. you know i'm not yeah. gonna go through that trouble anyway mm-hmm. But Gwen came in, she's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm just making soup. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> funny you mention So, Helena made potato soup for dinner the other night. Mm-hmm. And, like, when I make potato soup, you know, it's, you know, it's, I like my potato soup like I like my oatmeal, you know, a little lumpy. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Helena made it, and this is totally fine. You know, hers was, you know, creamier and smoother and as far as the texture goes. Yeah. And so... And your frosting's on. Okay. <laughs> so she makes the potato soup and, you know, bowls it up and everything like that. And Cassidy takes a bite of it. And she's like, normally for dinner we have solids. <laughs> and the way she said it, you could tell that what she was obviously saying was, there's a reason we have solids for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
the I just got the biggest kick out of that. <laughs> yeah. Like I thought it was really really it's a good. good line, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, it's such a passive aggressive line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is. That's my child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like she's almost uh, scolding you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So anyways, you know, I made sure I went back for thirdsies. That way Elena's feelings weren't hurt. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, uh, Blanche comes in and Rose confronts her about the mistake. I guess I didn't even say that at this point we find out that Blanche has known for a couple hours that about this error. Yeah, I think it was two hours. Yeah, and, and that yeah. she had not told her yet. Um, and so I think it's very uh, understandable that Blanche or that Rose be pretty pissed off that she didn't yeah. come and immediately tell her about the mistake. Um, but uh, fell to Roland. The yeah, exactly. The Roland ended up, and I don't even think Roland was intending to be no, put in just, that position. Yeah, like, oh, sorry. She's the owner; she can delegate. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, uh, she asks. Uh, she goes in and she asks what else she's going to reveal about Miles, uh, such as how he uh, cuts out pictures of Jackie Collins. Pop up <laughs> podcast. <laughs> uh, Are we going to find out if she's a novelist? Well, Jackie, Jacqueline Jill Collins was an English romance novelist yeah. and actress. Uh, she wrote 32 novels, all of which appeared on the New York Times bestseller list. Her books, good record. Her books have sold more than 500 million copies and have been translated into 40 languages. Uh, eight of her novels have been, uh, have been adapted for screen, either as film or television miniseries, and she was the uh, younger sister of Joan Collins, Dame Joan Collins, in case you were curious. Hmm. Um, I was. <laughs> so... Um, and then uh, apparently, though, he would cut out pictures of Jackie Collins and sleep with them under his pillow. Mm -hmm. And I think she says, I'm like, tell me something I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who was it um, when he was at war? He had a picture of somebody, Gina Lola Bridget or somebody that he. I feel like it was somebody he talked about with legs. Um, yeah. That Susan Haywood or something. Yeah, something like that. I don't remember offhand. I, I wish I did. I, I yeah. feel like I feel like it was something I had just thought about the other day. Um, and I remembered who it was at that point, but mm -hmm. now it's it's escaping me. Yeah. So. Judy Dench. Yeah. <laughs> Dame Judy <laughs> Dench, <laughs> in case you're curious. Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, Rose gives a monologue about Blanche's selfishness and uh, says the friendship is over. Uh, Roland and Blanche play it off as another performance as the uh, diners applaud and the scene ends. Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty good. They really didn't even have to play it off, though, that time. Everybody just assumed, assumed yeah. Yeah, yeah. and started clapping. They just was like, oh, yeah, I guess <laughs> they kind of like half curtsied. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You could tell the Blanche was like struggling through her bow, <laughs> but she still went with it. Yeah. Um, so. Did you guys have anything else to add to that one? Mm -mm. Yeah. Well, back in the kitchen now, and Chewie is giving Oliver the business about his extortion scheme. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> not, not, he's not giving him his business. So, um, he says, uh, Oliver says he understands and then asks Sophia for his $5 back. She says it just might be on his dresser, and he takes off. Uh, Sophia then pulls the $5 out of her pocket. And we all laugh at Oliver's uh, youthful ignorance. Mm -hmm. I think the I paper boy's right. She is a mean old lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, doesn't she say something like, why can't I feel guilt? Yeah. Well, I think the stroke took it from her. <laughs> unless, now they, they could yeah, have ended this. The brain. Yeah. They could have ended this terrible B story um, in a positive way. Yeah. With Oliver giving the $5 back to the woman and apologizing <laughs> yeah. to her. 
instead of this where he still looks like an asshole. <laughs> but it's like he got this was ill-gotten gains to begin with. Yeah. He's been told that he was wrong for it by two different people, and now he's just like, yeah, I understand. Can I have the money back now? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, it's like, I, I didn't need really that. learn much, right? Yeah. Well, and then Sophia still has the, the money to begin with. Right. So, so yeah, I didn't feel bad for him in that circumstance. Yeah. It's like, I need that money. I owe it to the Noog Man. <laughs> the what? <laughs> the Noog Man. <laughs> All right, well, um, so Oliver runs off, and uh, so Rose and Miles are in the dining room, mm-hmm. and it's just the two of them at this point. Yeah. And Rose tells Miles that uh, she hired him. I think she talks about getting revenge, and Miles is like, oh, what were you going to do? Mm-hmm. Like, call me and hang up, yeah. or knock my door and run away, and... That's when she says that she had uh, contacted a Green Beret about tampering with his brace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the look on his face. Yeah. So. <laughs> like, what? So. And, and he goes, said, like, at the last minute, he's like, what do you mean the last minute? Right. Well, Rose goes ham. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, Miles tells Rose that uh, she should forgive Blanche and then says that uh, they have to talk. Uh, Rose replies, I sure hope this you're about to tell me about someone who died. Mm-hmm. Which it was kind of a callback to earlier in the episode when Blanche told her that she needed to talk. Uh-huh. And, and then they like, have to sit down besides. Right. It's either got to be something bad and who died. And then I think she says something. I can't remember how that one earlier went, but it was funny. Yeah, I think it was like, she's like, hey, we should sit down. Or we need to talk. She's like, oh, no, something's bad. You never, excuse me, you never start something with, we need to talk. She said, let's sit down. And she said, oh, no, someone died. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I think she it's says. Like, something about Miles. Like, Miles died? <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, but anyways, uh, so he says they have to talk and that uh, he says that he has fallen in love with the second woman, a waitress named Fern. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says that... Uh, at I his... love it would have been like someone who's like a groundskeeper. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but he says that at his age, he can't afford to make the wrong choice. And Rose replied, choice? This isn't the Pepsi Challenge. Pop up <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> The Pepsi Challenge is an ongoing marketing promotion run by PepsiCo since 1975. Ongoing? Mm-hmm. The challenge originally took the form of a single blind taste test. At malls, shopping centers, and other public locations, a Pepsi representative sets up a table with two white cups, one containing Pepsi and one containing Coke. Uh, shoppers are encouraged to taste both colas and then select which drink they prefer. Then the representative reveals the two bottles so that the taster can see whether they preferred Coke or Pepsi. The results of the test lean towards a consensus that Pepsi was preferred by most Americans. The Pepsi Challenge has been featured um, in much of uh, Pepsi's TV advertising, and they did bring it back not too long ago as part of their advertising. So I guess it's still in their repertoire, Mm -hmm. if you will. Uh, I do remember those commercials and yeah, uh, like pulling do. off the thing. I, I feel like that has even repeated by other, uh, mm-hmm. you know, at least in in jest by in a lot of different ways too. Mm-hmm. So. I've seen one. It was like a gag where they had like a weird. Uh, uh, <laughs> it was like a soda, soda, and like they had a milk oh. on the side, <laughs> and then they put the thing and they like kind of jimmy the the straw over to the milk, <laughs> and like. Just kind of like behind the box, so it was un, you know, invisible to the mm-hmm. taste tester. They go, oh, what is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely if you were expecting Coke and you drank some milk, that yeah. would be a shock to the system. So. Yeah. I saw like a TikTok type thing the other day where um, like the dude, like his girlfriend was drinking a soda or whatever, <clears throat> and he took the lid off her soda, mm-hmm. and you know the straw was still going through it. 
And then he took the end of the straw that's in the soda and he stuck it down into one of those little plastic coffee creamer things okay. and then put it back down in there. And then when she drank out of the straw, she got the creamer <laughs> at the bottom of the straw and she kind of like, you know, did a spit take or right. whatever. So something comparable. Yeah, I saw, commercial. I saw one the other day. It's kind of not that commercial, but similar to what you're talking about mm-hmm. as far as a boyfriend playing a joke on his uh, wife or girlfriend, yeah. whatever it was, um, where he had... The wife was already in a real shitty mood about something, yeah. and he... Good time, right? He unscrewed. Aren't they always? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, he, <laughs> he unscrewed her cup, like whatever kind of a cup she had with water or okay. whatnot in it, just enough to where it looked like it was still screwed in, and then she mm-hmm. went to take a drink, and he hit the brakes too hard. Spilled a bunch of it on herself, and then, and then I think he even reached his hand over and just dumped the rest on her at that point. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's a yeah. bit much. I was like, you know what? If this woman is pissed off on in a general basis, uh, I would say there's a good reason exactly. for it. Exactly. <laughs> <shithead>, but... Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like <laughs> your wife's in a bad mood in the morning. She's in a bad mood. She's in a bad mood all day. It's your fault. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, Rose tells Miles to leave. Basically says that if he doesn't know that she's the one at this point, uh-huh. then, then it's he, over. Yeah. yeah, and I totally agree with her. I mean, they've been together for a long time, uh-huh. and this idea that he's, you know, have a dalliance with some other person, and, yeah. and now it's unsure. ongoing. Yeah. Like, yeah. And she hasn't had her deck shuffled for weeks. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly, Fern's getting all the good pruning. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well done. Yeah, yeah I like that a lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Rose does ask him why he told her, and he mm-hmm. says that uh, Blanche is right about him, and Rose replies, her loins can, her loins can talk, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, didn't he say, like, she's a better friend than I was? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I don't want you in that con- that relationship. Yeah. yeah. I so, hope she goes back to Arnie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't understand. The only thing I can figure is that maybe uh, Harold Gould just had other obligations and wasn't uh-huh. in it, you know, for the long haul. And so, like, well, we need to write him out of the show, basically. I would almost rather they had killed the character than killed his character. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's like he died in bed making love like all the others. <laughs> yeah. Like, they just, like, that was actually what I, I remember, if you remember, I said I was going to save my comments for later. Mm-hmm. It was in regards, this was, I hated this episode. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I like, agree. I uh-huh. thought if they wanted him off the show, there's a million ways to do it better. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, there are so many times when he was like a good boyfriend Mm -hmm. and everything. And then there's just a handful of episodes where he's just absolutely horrible. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's feast or famine with him. Exactly. I mean, we find out that he, you know, had lied basically Mm -hmm. about his entire life. Mm -hmm. So that was horrible act number one. Then he kisses Dorothy, horrible act number two. And then now this. This whole Fernwood tonight thing. Yeah. (laughs) Fernwood tonight. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. it was just a disappointing way to go with him. Because then he's given Fern the wood tonight. Yeah, I, I, I got it. <laughs> uh, well, anyways, uh, the scene ends with somber music. Makes you miss Stanley, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, yeah, he's right up there at this point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the scene ends with somber music and Miles leaving the room. Uh, well, we get into the uh, the final scene as Blanche and Rose making up in the lobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blanche says uh, Rose could do what she always does after a breakup, and Rose says she's not getting naked and calling the fire department. Mm-hmm. And I loved, maybe my favorite line of the episode was Blanche aptly pointing out that they are public servants and she pays her taxes. <laughs> yeah, that was my second favorite. Yeah, but uh, Blanche consoles Rose, and the episode ends with an old man complaining to Roland, saying, 
this is about this is without a doubt the worst production of Lil Abner I've ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> that was my number one. Yeah, that was really solid. I thought that was a real good ending. Mm-hmm. Then we get a, a credit scene again. I, I hope they do it all season. I mean, yeah. we're three for three, so maybe they yeah. will. But uh, there's an excellent scene during the credits with Sophia and Roland playing out a scene from Driving Miss Daisy. Pop-up podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> Driving Miss Daisy is a 1989 American comedy uh, drama film based on a play of the same name. The film stars Jessica Tandy, Morgan Freeman, and Dan Aykroyd. Uh-huh. Uh, the story... <laughs> Pop up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first time I realized like Dan Aykroyd could be a serious actor. Oh yeah, you know, like was when that I was before. You saw him in Ghostbusters. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, so, but that was like it was ninety two, so it was the first like serious role I'd seen him in. Was that before or after My Girl? Because he was serious in that. I never saw that one. Oh, have you not? Yeah, I saw not either. Um, well, anyway, they would have been right around the same time. I guess it maybe a year or two later, probably. Okay. Well, the story uh, defies, uh, <laughs> defines Daisy and her point of view through a network of relationships and emotions uh, by focusing on her home life, synagogue, friends, family, fears, and concerns over a 25-year period. Miss Daisy was Jewish? I guess so. <laughs> um, and it was uh, critically acclaimed. And they don't have a lot of those in the South. <laughs> no, I guess not. Yeah. But I guess they have enough for a synagogue. Yeah. So um, There's success uh, upon its release at the 62nd Academy Awards, receiving nine nominations, and it won four Best Picture, Best Actress, uh, best Makeup and Best Adapted Screenplay. As of 2023, it's the most recent PG film to have won Best Picture. Nice. Wow. So. And Hume Cronin, he was married to Jessica Tandy. Is that right? I don't remember, to be honest with you. And he was the one who played... No, that was Don Amici who played Rose's dad. Oh, okay. Never mind. I'm getting my cocoon cast members mixed up. Fair enough. So, But that did. That, uh, that wrapped up the show. Okay. My part's done. Oh, wait, no, I guess it's not totally done. I do have some guest actors to go over. You do? Uh, yeah, Billy L. Sullivan for his third of eighth time as Oliver. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harold Gould as Miles for his first of two times in Golden Palace. Mm-hmm. So I guess we do get him one more time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, Robert Beecher. He played the old man. Uh, mm-hmm. 39 titles from him. His is his only golden appearance. And uh, he did play Ribs Morocco in Dick Tracy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's and, my favorite of his. We had uh, Marty Benton. He was a dining room guest. Uh, mm-hmm. 11 titles for him and his only golden. And then, I'll tell you what, Mary Pat Gleason, she played the lost and found woman. Yeah. 181 titles. Uh-huh. Um, but my gosh, did she have a lot of uh-huh. uh, uh, impressive credits. <laughs> um, this is her only golden appearance, but she was on uh, Full House, Mama's Family, Murphy Brown, Troop Beverly Hills, Dear John, Who's the Boss, Empty Nest, Night Court, Saved by the Bell, Coach, Nurses, Blossom, Friends, ER, Family Matters, Sex in the City, Malcolm in the Middle, Man. 13 going on 30, The Middle, Desperate Housewives, Grey's Anatomy, Shameless, Will and Grace. And she was in eight episodes of Mom as Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, wow, that is a lot of big shows to be part of mm-hmm. for someone do, who's like yeah. a character actor that just yeah. does generally yeah. an episode or two. Yeah, lady can't find her glasses. Yeah. <laughs> so, she um, had steady work at least, it seems yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think Even she deserved it, was it. Parts. Even her little part in this was, was solid enough. So. Yeah, all work has dignity. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a true uh, Republican. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> no, I, no, that's not it at all. It's um, like everybody deserves a, a living wage because mm-hmm. all work has dignity. Oh, okay. Well, then, yes, I, I agree with that. Then. <laughs> you know, it's advocating for a minimum wage of $15 or whatever. Okay. Well, yeah. then I absolutely agree with your uh, okay. assessment there. Then. Okay. Thank you. And, great, and Brent is anything though. but a true Republican. Correct. He <laughs> was curious. He's, so you say he's a rhino? <laughs> 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 Let's see. Brent is a, what would be 
I'm trying to think of what you what you call it, libertarian alino. No, but you're you're a lino. You're not a lino. You're not a libertarian in name only. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you legitimately believe all of that stuff. Yeah. Anyways, um, all right. Well, now I'm actually done with my portion here. Okay. All right. So we talked about lines that we enjoyed and mm-hmm. everything. Um, let's go with slices of cheesecake. We're going to switch up the order for you. Man, it's not good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, new I, show, new rules. <laughs> That's fine. MVPs. <laughs> okay, good. Well, <laughs> Poor Alan's about to have a aneurysm <laughs> over there. Well, but. I gave my MVP to Roland. I, okay. I, I thought Rose gave a good performance, yeah. but I just, I think Roland has been good three weeks in a row, just not quite, mm-hmm. you know, over the top, and him saving the day a few times with his performances. Okay. What put him over the top for me was just his performance of Hope. Hope. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you, put, you gave it to him, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, that whole driving Miss Daisy so thing. three for three, then. Yeah. Nice. So I enjoyed that. So, yeah. It, has he gotten it? Any of the previous two episodes? I don't think yeah. the first two episodes either any of us, I don't think any of the three of us yeah. gave him a vote. So this is his first, but he's you know, on the board strong. Yeah. With yeah. a sweep. So. Good stuff. Um, all right. So how many slices would you give it? One. Really? I struggled with almost giving it a zero. Mm-hmm. I hated the way they threw Miles out. But like you guys said, he had a few uh, weak performances as far as character before, uh-huh. but this was just like. Bottom barrel. I didn't yeah. like it all. Yeah, definitely hurt poor Rose. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't go that far. I'd go with maybe a three for it. How about you? I, I gave it a three. I was at a two, mm-hmm. and then the uh, the closing credit scene mm-hmm. bumped it up one for yeah. me. I, I thought there was a lot of stuff to like in the episode as far as lines go. Mm-hmm. It's just the premise of the episode and the way yeah. that they concluded it. I agree. I just think there's so many better ways that could have dealt with not having Miles on the show, or if they were like, oh, we want you know to have more dating. Type mm-hmm. stuff or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess they're like, well, we've done the cheating boyfriend thing a bunch of times, <laughs> so I guess we need to mix it up by yeah. actually having him be, you know, yeah. like throwing the curveball of us thinking mm-hmm. he's not cheating, but no, actually he is. Um, yeah. But dun, dun, dun. yeah, so yeah, I gave it a three, but it, even that was a a stretch. I had to get lucky to even get that extra slice. Yeah. So. Okay. Anything else you guys want to bring up or discuss or talk about or anything? <coughs> Um, I think I'm pretty good at this point. We could, we could ad-lib another uh, Dorothy story. Yeah, yeah. Let's, <laughs> you want to? Seriously? Yeah. Set the timer for two minutes. All right. All right, Ski. You're, uh... Oh, man. I'm on the spot now. I don't have any back material. You want us to give you a uh, a person, an occupation, a and a location? Yes. <laughs> so, so is Dorothy going to be the person, and we have to come up you with just, a... You yeah. tell me. Dorothy's writing a letter back. Like, she's on her honeymoon. Okay. So she's in Greece right now, her and Lucas. All One right. of them uh, cruises through the Grecian Islands. That's a pretty good prompt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, and go. All right, so yeah, she's uh, writing back. This one's just to Ma. Okay. She's telling her how much, uh, you know, Lucas is just awesome, and he's been you know, real you know, attentive. And even though they've only known each other for a short time, you know, she's so in love with him and such. Uh, she does mention that he's got, you know, a few weird quirks that she hadn't realized before. Like he likes to... Uh, Put a mouth guard in while he sleeps and such. Okay. But he still snores, which is odd because it's meant to stop snoring. Mm. If he swears up and down, it does. I don't think those but red balls work that way. So, yeah. And the restraints, they don't help either, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Ski's trying to decide how much to share. Right, yeah. <laughs> Never tried that one. Sorry. I am familiar with what ball gags are, though. <laughs> what you got there is your eight gauge. And <laughs> you like your... that level of familiarity? No. You got your common egg shape. <laughs> Like, now you're gonna have to have someone dislocate their jaw to get that one in there. <laughs> they call this one the softball. <laughs> this one is the Kong of ball games. <laughs> and so, yeah, she's telling her mom, you know, that he's just super sweet. She talks about, uh, you know, you love the Greek Isles. And she reminds her daughter that, you know, hey, I lived in Sicily, it wasn't that far away. Um, but then, you know, she says, uh, um, um, you know, I don't, we're probably running out of time now. We should keep going. <laughs> exactly. Those vocalized pauses. <laughs> uh, and she says, you know, that uh, she uh, had a, a dream <laughs> where, you know, they'd uh, been traveling uh, to the Parthenon. All right, now your time's <laughs> up. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I guess we'll continue next week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll try to go with some better plan. <laughs> well, well, with all that out of the way, I guess. Having it's a real good time, we'll say that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Freddie Peterson got his passport stamped. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh, wait, before you end, yeah. I want to say one more thing. Uh, to happiness, to life, to us. <laughs> Stay golden, Chewy. <laughs> and cocoa. Potato, potato. <laughs> Hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at sophiaschoicepodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at sophiaschoicepc. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden.